Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. We hope that this message inspires you and brings impact to your life. Enjoy the message. We'll begin reading in verse number four, just a few verses here. Ecclesiastes chapter four, beginning in verse four. I'm reading out of the NLV this morning, and it reads, And I saw that all toil and all achievement spring from one person's envy of another. This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Fools fold their hands and ruin themselves. And then in verse 6, he says this, Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. And that's my subject this morning for you to consider uh, chasing the wind, chasing the wind. And if you'll help me this morning, you may be seated. God bless you. Amen. I know uh, some people, when they hear a preacher get up and say, turn to Ecclesiastes, uh, it it may, all of a sudden, they may get a little bit nervous. Uh, (laughs) You know, all across our country today, and actually all around the world, I think it's safe to say that, uh, there, there is, um, and it seems to be intensifying by the day, uh, a great dissatisfaction. I mean, hand after hand reaching out to quench their thirst and to scratch that itch that they have in their life. Um, and, and, and people going through hard times, depressing times, and wondering in the middle of it all, maybe you've wondered this yourself in the middle of your storm, will I ever be happy again? Is this all it is? I, I believe that as a drinker orders a double, that's what he's wondering. I believe that as the achiever logs another 18-hour day, that's what she's wondering. Is this as good? Is it, will I ever be happy again? There's a great dissatisfaction that is sweeping across our country, and people are desperately trying to quench that thirst. But guess what? The thirst lingers, uh, and the itch remains. I heard a man say one time, I learned that once I had what I wanted, I found that I didn't want what I had. Solomon could have said that. He could have said those words. He was unlimited in what he could do, unbridled in what he could own, and unharnessed in what he could experience. And so he set out to do it all. He he tried knowledge. He tried pleasure, possessions. He tried uh, 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 projects. He was serious about each one of those things. And the Bible lets us know that he built a temple, he built a palace, and uh, he owned 40,000 horses with 12,000 horsemen. He married the daughter of Pharaoh and built her a house, which is good because he had 690 more wives. So his place was a little crowded. I feel like my house is small sometimes. I couldn't imagine, couldn't fathom a situation like this. But in spite of it all, or because of it all, he was restless. He, he even said, he, he journaled it. He said, I 
hated life. We find out that uh, he was isolated, he was frustrated, and he longed for the good old days when things were simpler. And for some reason, Solomon kept a record of his longings, and somehow they became public, and you and I get to read them today. Maybe, maybe he knew that he wasn't the only one to get to the top of the ladder, only to find out that his ladder was leaning against the wrong building. You might feel like that's where you're at sometimes. You may even feel that way today. And you might, again, have squirmed a little whenever I said, turn with me to Ecclesiastes, because you came here looking for hope, looking for a word, and we turned to one of the most depressing books in the Bible. But the Bible tells us that all Scripture is what? Inspired of God. And guess what? It's all profitable. It's all profitable for doctrine for reproof, for correction, for instructing in righteousness. And so we're going to look at a lesson today, and here's the deal. You will learn this lesson. You will learn it. You, you might learn it today, or it may take you a long time, and maybe for some, sadly, they learn it at the end of their days whenever they look back over their life and they see and they feel all the regrets and all the, oh man, I'd give anything to do life over again. But you can't, right? You can't. And so I pray that you'll learn this with me today and it will, I believe, make a difference in how you do life. Let me ask you a very important question. How many of you know what these are? I mean, if you, if you want to run, go ahead. If you want to shout, glory to God in the highest, go ahead. Amen. We know what these are. These M&Ms, in many ways, they, they represent one of the lies that our culture has been telling us for years. And quite honestly, this is one of the biggest battles uh, in, in society, I believe, is believing this cultural lie. And most of you probably knows what it is, but here's, here's what the lie is. If one is good, two is better. If, if, if one car is good, two is better. If one vacation is good, two is better. If having one boy is good, three boys is better, right? We believe that. We go all the way back to Genesis and look at the Garden of Eden situation. You can see a form of this lie. If one is good, then two is better. And we turn in our Bibles and we find God in creation and He's creating things and, and He's creating everything. He creates Adam and He says this is good, but it's not good that He's alone. And so He creates Eve and God tells them to be fruitful and to multiply, and he lets them know, hey, you can eat from any tree in the garden except that one. You can eat of anyone except that one. You can have anything you want, but just not that one. And the serpent said, did God really say that you can't eat from that one? And he's telling them, because here's the deal, uh, if you do eat that, then you will be like God. And what the serpent basically did was said this, hey, you got everything, but what you don't have is what you need. 
You got everything, but what you don't have, what's he saying? More. More is what, but you've got everything, but what you don't have is what you need to be happy. And so he says, why don't you just get what you don't have? More is always better than less. Here's a key thought for this message this morning. It's better to have less of what doesn't matter and more of what does. It's better to have less of what matter matters and more of what does. Ecclesiastes 4 and 6, better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. Or you could say it this way, better one handful than two. One handful than two. So when one handful is better than two, well, if I've got one handful, guess what I have? A free hand. Thank you, quizzers today. You got it. I've been waiting to do that all morning. A free hand. When I've only got one handful, I've got a free hand. So I, I'm able to, if, 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 if somebody is in need, if somebody needed help, what can I do? I can have my one handful and I could help them. If, if, if somebody, if I've got one handful and a free hand and somebody needs encouragement, hey, I can, I can encourage them. I can lift them up. If, somebody, if I, somebody needs a hug, I can have one handful and give them a hug at the same time. Because better is one handful with toil, or better is one handful than with toil, because if I've got two handfuls, these are going to stay in my hands. If I've got two handfuls, and somebody needs encouragement, somebody needs prayer, what? praying for you, buddy. Hope, hope it gets better. No free hand. Hope, hope you, oh, good luck. I'm praying for you. I hope it gets better. Better is one handful with tranquility than two with toil. In fact, Jesus hit this principle head on in the New Testament. This is what Jesus said in Luke 12, 15. He says, watch out everybody. Be on your guard. In other words, he's saying, don't ever let your guard down or what this, what he's talking about is going to sneak up one day and it's going to bite you. He says, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. What are we watching out for, Bryce? More, more, more. Why? He says it. Because a man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Watch out. Be on your guard. More is not always better. Watch out for all kinds of greed, he says, because your life does not consist in what you have. And then he goes on to tell this parable. He said, once upon a time, there was a guy that had a very successful business here, and the guy said, oh, man, I'm going to tear down my old barns, and I'm going I'm to build new ones, bigger ones, better ones, and, and I'm, what, what, I'm going to have more. I'm going to kick back and I'm going to take life easy. I'm going to relax. I'm going to drink and I'm going to be merry and I'm going to be happy. And Jesus said on this very night, your life is going to be taken away from you. Why? 
Here's what Jesus said. This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich toward God. This will be what it's like for the person that's more, more, more. Give me more. What is that? It's chasing after the wind, but doesn't really have what matters most. I'm convinced this morning that God doesn't care so much about what we have. He just doesn't want we have to have our hearts, to have our minds, to have our attention all the time. I'm convinced of that. He wants us to be rich towards what really matters. That's why it says better to have less of what doesn't matter and more of what doesn't. Better one handful with tranquility than two with toil and chasing after the wind. So, Bryce, if it's, if it's better to have what does not matter, if it's better to have what does matter, I want to ask us this morning, I want to ask you if you could think with me, if you could ask yourself and, and, and define it very clearly in your life, what really matters? What really matters in your life? What matters most to you? Now, if some of you are saying, oh, I don't don't really know. I don't really know what matters, Bryce. I don't really. Let me help you out this morning. Imagine, and God forbid this ever is a situation, but imagine with me that you go to the doctor and he says, hey, I'm sorry, bad news. You have 30 days left to live. You have one month left to live. What immediately pops in your mind? That's what's most important to you. That's what matters most. What are you going to do in the next 30 days? What's important to you at that moment is what's important to you. If you've got a month left to live, what is important to you? If you would search this on Google, here's the most common answers from people. People said God, pleasing God, having a relationship with God, knowing God, serving God, discovering God. People, their second most common answer was their family. People said, my family is important to me. I value my family, my children, my marriage. And the list went on and on with very meaningful things. But here's what was shocking to me. And maybe it's shocking to you. Let me tell you what was not on the list. Nowhere on the list did we find where people put possessions. Nowhere on the list did people put Ford F-150. I just got to go sit in it for 30 days. I got to soak up this leather for 30 more days. No, 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 no. No one put on there the size of their home or the type of flooring that they put in their kitchen. Nobody put the amount of money that they have in their bank account. And yet so often things that many people pursue didn't show up on their list of the most important things of their life when given 30 days left to live. I want to encourage you this morning to really define clearly what is most important. I believe that God's going to help us today and the weeks to come to let go of what doesn't matter and stop chasing after the wind. I want to encourage you to have one handful, to have a one handful 
life. So many of us were grasping for everything and better is one handful with tranquility than two with toil. So it kind of raises the question, Bryce, how do we do that? How do we live that life? How do we have a one handful life, if you will? How do we do that? How can we accomplish that? Well, for starters, let's do what I've been talking about thus far. Let's let go of what doesn't matter. Hebrews 12 and 1 says this, let us throw off, what are we going to throw off? Some things? Just a few things? No, Scripture says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Why? He says this, so we can run the race with perseverance that's marked out for us. Now, the Greek word that's translated as throw off can also be translated as cast down. It's kind of a violent throwing down. I kind of, for you football fans, I kind of picture some guy scoring a touchdown and taking the football and spiking it as hard as he possibly can on the ground in celebration. Or if you've ever had a spider in your hair or think that a spider's in your hair and you're just trying to get it and once you find it, boom! Throw it on the ground, right? You're not looking at that thing. A few weeks ago, came back to church for uh, after we had the baby, and I walked through the back door, and I need to ask Brother Curry to pull up security tapes because I think that I had a tarantula on my head. Um, it felt it was moving around. It felt like a bird was in my hair. I was right inside the door and I just kind of brushed it one time and it was still there. I mean, it was like like a flapping wings. And so I kid you not, I dropped my laptop, I dropped my bag, I threw off my jacket and my phone flies out and I throw it down to the ground. Please pull up those tapes if you can go back that far. A few weeks ago. That's what you do. That's what Scripture's talking about when you cast off, when you throw down everything that hinders, that gets in your way of the race that is marked out for you. I hope you'll understand with me today that there is a race that God has marked out for you. There is a run, my friend. There is a track. There is a will. There is a purpose. There is a plan. God put you here on earth to do something. Something significant, something, and and your spiritual enemy is going to say, hey, what about that? You don't have that over there, or you need to get one of these, or you need to let that go, and you need to get one of those over there. You don't have that. And before long, you're chasing the wind. We're chasing something that doesn't matter, something that we're never going to catch. And so you have to have the discipline to throw that down, to cast down anything and everything that does not matter. What are some things in your life that need that you need to cast down? What are some things in your life that you need to maybe cut back on? And I'm not ex- talking exclusively about sin, and neither is the Bible. What... What I, I know one thing that society tries to keep us doing, and most people don't even realize it. How many of you have crazy schedules? Did you help participate with me this morning? How many of you have crazy schedules? Is that right? Some of you are just, no, nah. no. Nah. You leave here, you're, you, you, what's the old, you said, I'm trying to keep my ducks in a row. Some of you don't know where your ducks are at. 
some of you have no idea. Listen carefully. For some of you, I believe it's time to get very prayerful and very aggressive in cutting back on society's pressure to say yes to everything in your life. In fact, what is the most common answer to the question in our culture when somebody says, hey, how you doing? What do people say? Well, I'm really busy. I'm, I'm really busy. Hey, man, you've been staying busy? Yep, been staying busy. You, staying busy. I've been busy. I'm tired. I'm tired and I'm busy. Busy, tired. How you doing? I'm busy and I'm tired. When was the last time you came up to someone and said, how are you doing? And they said, bro, I'm so relaxed. Like... I mean, this life, like my wife and I, we're doing date night once a week, man. The marriage is going great. Like we, we've got all of this going on and I'm spending time with God and I'm in the word. I'm so relaxed. No, what are we here? Busy. I'm busy. I'm tired, Bryce. I'm tired. I'm struggling. And, and, and I, I wonder, do you really think that the God who said, come to me, all who are weary and heavy, and I will give you rest. Do you really think that your busy schedule is his highest plan for your life? Culture has lied to us. Culture has said more is better, more is better, more is better. It's time to say no to some things that everybody else says yes to. Just because you can do something doesn't mean you should do something. I've been trying to focus here lately on being more, uh, 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 more thoughtful when it comes to my schedule and not just so reactionary. And Because I can do a lot of things and I can say yes to a lot of things. And I find myself saying yes to a lot of things and it just wears me thin. I told my boss the other day, I said, I feel like I can't be great in any one area because I have to be good in so many other areas. I say yes. Just because you can do something doesn't mean you should do something. The Bible says let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. So I ask you again, what, what do you need to throw off? What do you need to cast down? What needs to be thrown away? I read something one time that said, throw away as if your life depends on it because it does. Throw away as if your life depends on it because it does. What do you need to throw away? Buddy, I've been in a throwing away mood here lately. Asked my wife. She said that I was nesting. If that is that what it's called, nesting? I was I was going through the house before the baby was born, and I'm still doing it. I'm just going room after room, like like the like the disciples, house after house. I was just going room after room, and I was like, this is not of God. This needs, we need to get, I'm not talking about evil things in my house. I'm just talking about stuff. Stuff. Why do I need a box of hats from 2002? Why do I need to keep that? Why do I, I'm going through every closet, every toy room, all the nooks and crannies of our house, the drop spots, I know you got them. The drop spots, I know they're in there. And I mean, I was going through just throwing stuff away right and left, not even asking anybody, do we need to keep this? Is this still good? Do we need this? Like, unless it's milk, I'm not asking you, all right? I'm just, do we, does this need to go or does this need to stay? What do you need to throw away? Listen, you haven't worn it in a year. Give it to somebody who's going to wear it. Get rid of it. This is good stuff this morning. 
I like Jerry Dean, he said one time, I'm preaching better than you realize. <laughs> I'm not old enough to say that yet. I'm not the Jerry Dean level yet, but what is it that you need to throw away? I read where they built houses in the early 1900s. The houses that they built only had one closet. One. Why? Because you didn't have all kinds of stuff that you needed to. You just needed one closet. In 1908, that's all you needed. Now we've got multiple closets. Some of you got closets I could run in. I could jump in. I could, you got these walk-in closets, and all of a sudden we got all these cabinets in our house, but guess what? That's still not enough. So now you got to move everything out to the garage. You got to find a spot out in the garage, and now the garage is full, and so you got to move it to the basement, and then all of a sudden the attic is on your radar. You've got so much stuff. Some people got so much stuff, they got to rent a space to put more stuff. Why? Because everybody knows stuff, stuff, stuff matters. Stuff is important. Stuff matters. Stuff. You know what? Stuff that's going to burn up one day. Stuff that is not, stuff is going to burn up one day. Oh, more is better, Bryce. No, get rid of it. What do you need to throw away? What do you need to cast down? I need to hurry. These things in our life, there are things in our life that we need to throw away, get rid of, let go of what doesn't matter. There are things that we need to unplug ourselves from. I love technology, but sometimes I just got to set this thing down. I got to just get away from it for a second. I'm so connected to this world. I, we have a rule in our house, and I'm thankful that Mallory makes me follow it. No phones at the table. We're eating dinner, no phones at the table. And I'm like, babe, you don't understand. I'm encouraging a friend. I'm texting a friend. I'm doing, I'm a people person and I'm encouraging and I'm, I'm making a spiritual post here. So I, I'm, you got. Some of you, you could change your family if you just turn this thing off sometimes. You could change it. Better is one handful of tranquility than two with toil. So we're going to let go of what doesn't matter. And then lastly, lastly, how do we live this life that you're talking about, Bryce? You let go of what doesn't matter, and then you fight for what does matter. You fight for what does matter. I don't know about you, but I think it's time to fight for the things that matter to us. I think it's time to fight to the things that, for the things that we're for. I love the way Nehemiah said, to, said it whenever Sanballat and Tobiah were trying to talk God's people out of rebuilding the wall. Nehemiah's like, no, 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 no. You fight for something higher and you fight for it. And he said this, remember the Lord who is great and awesome. And what did he say? And fight for your brothers and your sons and your daughters and your wives and your home. You fight for what's important. You draw your sword and you fight. You fight like a man of God. You fight like a woman of God. You fight for it. You don't let culture lie to you. Don't waste your life on what doesn't matter but fight for what truly matters your family's worth fighting for your marriage is worth fighting for you're worth fighting for your life is too valuable and your calling is too great and your God is too mighty to waste life on things that don't matter 
God created you and He put you on earth to glorify Him, to make a difference, to make Him known, to love Him and to love people. And I want to encourage you, don't sell out chasing the wind. Don't sell out chasing something that you'll never get. Don't sell out because better one handful with tranquility than two with toil. Asking our music to come this morning and I hasten to a close. Would you please stand with me? Lately, it's been, it's been really on my mind how quickly my kids are growing up. I mean, it seems like every time I turn around, they're a year older. Every time they come in the house after school, I'm like, man, when did you, when did you get in that grade? And I know that I can't be there for every moment of their life. I know that I've got responsibilities and uh, things that call me away. I'm not just a dad, but I wear quite a few hats. And I know a lot of you can relate because you wear quite a few hats also. And a lot of times I find myself tucked away in my office, putting things together, putting messages together, conference calls, studying, praying. And I'm not saying those things are bad. Those things are good and, 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 and right and we should do those things. But there needs to be a balance in your life. My kids run into my office. Dad, can you come play catch? Dad, can we go on a walk? Dad, can you come out and give me a drink? Dad, can you take me to the bathroom? Dad, and they, they pull me away. And a lot of times I find myself saying, not right now. Maybe later, maybe later we'll, we'll go out and we'll throw the football. Last night I hadn't been in my office for long at all. And the family comes in, hey, we're going on a walk. A family walk, something my kids absolutely love to do. They, they absolutely love to just go on this walk and just, it, it, it's fun to just get out. It's healthy. It's good. The weather's beautiful. And it hit me. That's, that's important. Not that I'm shirking my responsibility in other areas of my life. But those things can wait. I can make time for those things. I can carve out time for those things. I can do it at another time. But my family, I can make time right now. Because that's important. And for the majority of my life, I've been a two-handful person. trying my best to make it work trying to do that but I'm going to tell you right now better is one hand with tranquility than two with toil and a chasing after the wind I'm telling you better is one hand and a good marriage better is one hand and children that you know better is one hand and making a difference in life Better is one handful in intimate relationships, intimate friendships. Better is one handful and a great relationship with God. Better one handful in love than two handfuls with toil, stress, panic, greed, and more, and a chasing the wind. Thank you for listening. 
Special thanks to those that give generously to this ministry. If you would like more information, please visit our website at landmarkapostolicchurch.net. But have a great day and God bless.